Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. This is our third episode of something new we're trying this year. For those who've turned tuned in before, probably getting a feel for this. It's happy hour. Now we're doing this a little earlier than we have. One of our guests needed to, to come on. Um, last week I did it from, from a local bar, more happy hour style, but uh, that was Notre Dame week. This is Arkansas State, so, so I'm back at home. But uh, we're going to talk some Buckeyes. We're going to go back and look at Notre Dame. We're going to talk, uh, you know, just kind of the, the finer details of that game. We may have somebody else in the second half uh, name people in Columbus will recognize, probably who, who pay attention to local media, stop by, and we'll, we'll have some fun with him if he's able to make it on. We'll see on that. But first, I want to introduce Blake Brockermeyer. He's uh, part of our 247 team, national college football analyst. Blake played at Texas, was, was a first-round pick in the NFL. Blake, thanks for jumping on. I know you and I have talked – on, on similar shows before, but I thought after the, the first week of Ohio State, new look defense, offensive struggles a little bit, be great to have you on. Thanks again for doing this. Yeah, I'm bummed we're not having happy hour. It's a little, a little early for that, but uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, well, maybe, maybe actually, have a few cocktails when we do it. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got a Bud Light here that I'll slowly sip on um, in honor of my L.A. Rams kicking off. I became a Rams fan when they were in St. Louis, so – that's kind of the way I pay homage to uh, to that. So, yeah, I'll I'll be careful on how much I drink here. Still got a lot of work to do today, but let's get into it. You broke down the defense, um, which was the big talking point coming into the season for the Buckeyes. And and by the way, I just want to add: if you have any questions in the comments, feel free for Blake. Feel free to throw them out there. 
Um, we'll, we'll answer as many of those as we can. But just in, in general, and we'll get into more specifics, but what were your initial impressions of this defense in comparison to what the Buckeyes did last year? Obviously, Jim Knowles taking over as the new defensive coordinator. General idea of what, what they were doing. Well, they are much improved. Uh, what I noticed is they're very aggressive. Uh, they play multiple fronts. Uh, they're running downhill on plays. You got lots of uh, unblocked players. Uh, they they kind of loaded the box against Notre Dame. Uh, played with fanatical effort, uh, and just very impressed with their defense. I mean, they look completely different. Uh, just had a total different feel from from when I watched them last year. The one of the main things we'd heard throughout the preseason was this defensive line was going to be a force. And we'd heard that last year. And obviously Larry Johnson, defensive line coach, had done a great job with the Buckeyes, but they, they didn't get the same kind of pressure last year as, as they had in past years. But the preseason talk was still there. To me, it looked different. When you looked at, at the way they were loading up those fronts, what did you see from a, a maybe a more trained football line? Well, as far as the defensive line went, obviously Mike Hall had a game. I mean, he he was the MVP of the game defensively, in my opinion. He uh, left a mark. Uh, you know, he, Notre Dame had a few busts uh, for some reason when they were over him, which I think made him look even better. But he made some great plays. Uh, he's going to have a big year. Uh, Zach Harrison had, had a good game for them. Uh, I didn't see a lot of one-on-one wins uh, in the pass rush with their defensive line like I was expecting. Uh, but, but I think you'll see more of that. They ran a lot of, uh, a lot of movement, stunts, blitzes, cross dogs, uh, a lot, lot of simulated pressure on third down, uh, lot, basically just trying to create confusion. Notre Dame's got a really good offensive line. Uh, they were missing Jared Patterson, one of their better guys. But uh, Ohio State uh, definitely took their shots, gave them a lot to think about in a tough environment, obviously playing in the shoe at night. So uh, it was a great performance for the first game for them. And uh, and I tracked all of their all their snaps. I've watched that game a couple of times. And, and they did a lot of stuff. And it was it was impressive first game for Jim Knowles. And I think Ohio State fans are going to be excited for the season this year with him at defensive coordinator. Speaking of this defensive line, Sean here asks what your thoughts were on, on Jack Sawyer. They're calling it the Jack position. Jim Knowles has called it the Leo position in the past. He said this offseason that Ohio State hasn't deserved to call it the Leo because Leo is the lion, the king of the jungle. So they're calling it Jack right now, which I think is just kind of defining Jim Knowles as a kind of a quirky guy. But Jack Sawyer, to me, he's moving around a lot. He's not lining up in the same spots. How, how does that position work, and how did you think they used him? In a position Jim Knowles said after the game, it's, it's only the, first, the start, the first game, that there'll be more of that. What did you see from him? Well, they, they Jim Knowles did that a lot at Oklahoma State. That I call that kind of a spinner, uh, a spinner guy. And so Jack, Jack Sawyer's a little bit of a hybrid. He can rush the passer. Uh, from the edge, which he did a lot. They lined him up to the boundary mostly, but they also lined him up to the field some to rush the passer. And then they line him up in the middle a little bit as well. So he he's kind of a, uh, you know, we used to call that when I played a, a kind of a magic guy, kind of a guy that you have to account for as a defensive lineman, but he can also drop into coverage 
which uh, Ohio State did a lot as far as their uh, fire zone stuff. So they'd simulate guys, a lot of double A gap simulation on third down. And uh, very, very few times did they bring those guys, but they're trying to put it on film. So everybody, you have to account for the A gaps, obviously. Uh, but I thought he played a good game. He's a physical guy. He he uh, did a great job of setting the edge in a run game. Uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Mayer is, a, is, a, is one of the better tight ends in the country, I think. And he, he popped in a couple of times, uh, was real physical against him in the run, in the run game, uh, had a couple of good rushes. They ran a few games with him, but uh, he's a great player and a nice chess piece for them to have this year. And I'm sure Knowles will use him more and more as the year goes on and do different stuff with him. Let me ask you this about if you're just a casual football fan, what is why do this position? Why change it from you know four defensive linemen, a regular defensive end? What advantages do you get as a defense of having whatever you want to call this kind of hybrid position? What what are the advantages of? Well, the unique thing for him is is he's a good enough athlete where he can rush the passer, play with his hand down as a defensive end, which he did last year, or he's also can drop into coverage and, and do some thing. I mean, obviously you don't want him, you know, chasing, uh, you know, uh, trading on Henderson one-on-one, -on -one, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a lot of passes, but he can get in the zone, make things cloudy. An odd front, a three-man front uh, is a cloudier picture for an offensive coordinator call plays against. So that's why you see a lot of teams on, on first and second down uh, run that Ohio State, uh, ran a lot of the, uh, you know, what I call spinner, uh, what, what, what Knowles calls the, the Leo or the Jack position. Uh, they ran a lot of that in their base fronts, and they ran some of that on third down. They also ran uh, some odd fronts, mostly on third down, but they did run uh, some of that just in normal down and distance. And then they ran kind of the, a front that you're seeing more and more now, uh, it's a three-man front. I call it an oppo front. It's basically you put a five technique away from the running back because you're you're assuming that they're going to run the ball, you know, away from the you know, where the running back's going to come across the quarterback, and then they put a four eye uh, to the running back. And so you see a ton of teams run that. Uh, they ran that a lot at Oklahoma State. So uh, Ohio State gave a lot of different fronts and looks for teams to think about and practice against. Uh, it's nothing, you know, un they didn't do anything unusual as far as things that no one's ever done before, but uh, it, it definitely will make the, the prep time for the teams that they play a little more intense by running multiple fronts. And I think that's the point, right? I mean, if you go back and look at last year's Ohio State defense, I think teams knew more or less what the Buckeyes were gonna do. And the, the preparation was simpler uh, and I think this, as you said, will, will be more difficult. One of the things Jim Knowles talked about a lot during the offseason was this safety-driven defense. He's got three safeties out there. He's got some unique names for him, the adjuster, the bandit. Uh, when you looked at, at those guys and, and the nickel included, why is this a safety-driven defense? What about what you saw kind of fits what Jim Knowles was telling us all offseason? Well, I think what they do up front is, is, they, is they stun and move guys a lot to clog up the gaps. They ran a ton of – most of their most of their fronts, their typical four-man front, they lined up the three technique to the back. So that was their typical – a lot of teams will 
Uh, they'll adjust that as the year goes on. They did run some away, but you'll see teams running to, to, to the back, away the back, just depending on what their strength is and what they want to take away. But to me, what Knowles is doing a lot is he's moving and sending the defensive line to open up, uh, you, you know, gaps for the for the for the second level linebackers and safeties to run through. And you saw multiple times, uh, you know, lots of game tackling the entire game, which uh, which was good to see. But lots of unblocked safeties and linebackers that are a lot of them were running across the field to to get to their gap. So. There's always you got you got you got to account for the for the quarterback, especially Notre Dame's quarterback. He's not a great runner, but they wanted to take the air out of the ball and, and, and eat up the clock, which was what I, which was what I would do against Ohio State uh, as well if I were if I were going against that offense. But uh, just really sound defense by by the safeties and linebackers. Thought Eichenberg played an, a really good game, uh, causing a lot of chaos and and. and and you got to remember too, it's it's team defense. It's not it's not just a, it's not a me defense where I'm the guy that's going to go make the play. I mean, you saw multiple times, or at least I I saw it. I don't know if you saw it or not, but backside defensive ends that were you know as far away from the play as you could possibly get that were running stunts and twists that were running full speed to make t- to make tackles across the field. That was impressive to me. Uh, because you, a lot of times defensive line won't take plays off. I know Larry Johnson uh, wouldn't put up with that for long, but uh, that was just just playing hard, pl- playing fast, playing tenacious. Uh, just a, a really great first game by Jim Knowles on the defense. You mentioned Zach Harrison earlier, and he's a guy who Ohio State fans have kind of looked at as, look, he was a five-star kid coming after the Bosa brothers and Chase Young. He's from Columbus. The expectation was he was going to be that next guy. If you look at the stats, they aren't the same. But I think that, that Zach Harrison's had a, had a pretty good career at Ohio State. He's obviously a senior. He stayed longer than some of those guys. He hasn't been maybe the guy that everyone expected. But what does he do that maybe doesn't always show up on the stat sheet? And I know he did show up on the stat sheet a couple times this past game. But what do you see from him that, that – Hey, this guy makes an impact without maybe getting the sacks, the tackles, those type of things. Yeah, I mean, kind of like, like, like what I just said. They, it, it, it's it's about team defense, and so you're gonna a lot of times you're gonna sacrifice yourself running a, running a game, running a TE or an exit stunt for for somebody else to open up. You never know what's gonna happen. Like I said, Notre Dame busted uh, probably three or four uh, assignments up front by just being confused on who to block. So. He plays hard. He's got incredible length, which is what the NFL wants. I think comparing him to the to you know Chase Young and the and the, especially the Bosa brothers, who who I think are, are some of the bigger freaks out there. Uh, I mean, you just can't compare everyone to, to some of the greatest guys to ever do it. So uh, you didn't see the the the, the side scissor rush that Larry Johnson's kind of known for. Uh, you didn't see that as much as you normally would, but you also didn't see a ton of just one-on-one pass rush. You saw a lot of, uh, of, of stunning and moving and games and just keep it, keeping the uh, – I know they were, they were concerned about quarterback draw. Uh, Buckner, Buckner can run just enough to hurt you. And so they were clogging up the, the lanes a lot of the times too to make sure that he wasn't going to be able to just 
run for first easy first downs against them. Again, this is this is Blake Brockermeyer for joining us late, or, or if you're tuning in on the podcast later. Two four seven Sports National College Football Analyst played at Texas, first round draft pick. He knows his stuff. We're glad Rip Blake's on here. We we've talked about the secondary. We've talked about that line. You mentioned the linebackers. Ohio State early last year were was pretty disappointed in the linebacker play. Both Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers, who started this game, were, were a big part of last year and got better as the year went on. Steel Chambers was a running back two years ago, so he was making the adjustment. Jim Knowles is playing that two-linebacker system. What does playing with two linebackers do for defense? And then what did you see from those guys that, that are positives that they're making the right steps to, to be effective on this defense? I thought they both played well. I, I thought – uh, Eichenberg is, you know, he's the Mike, so he's going to be a little, but he's a little bit more physical than Chambers is. He's a, you know, that's what that's what those guys are, but but he can run as well. Chambers did a nice job of, of scraping. Uh, they they did a lot of uh, of kind of erase stunts with the defensive end, where he'll erase the inside gap, and the and, and the will backer will flow, uh, you know, will flow outside, and and they'll exchange gaps. So. I thought he did a great job of that, clogging up the, the running lanes. I mean, they really gave uh, Notre Dame a cloudy picture in the box, uh, and then they've got the safeties behind them to do that. So, uh, you know, I thought they both played well. I thought Eichenberg played, you know, probably besides Mike Hall. You know, those two guys to me stood out as the, as the as kind of the top defenders. And then I thought uh, Hickman played a hell of a game for Ohio State. I thought he – uh, was was it was a guy that stood out to me as a guy that can uh, be be a playmaker for them in safety. And I know you you focus mostly on the defense, but you also wrote for for us for two four seven sports this off season about Jackson Smith and Jigba. You really broke him down. It's a great piece that you did. He left the game in the first quarter. Sort of came back, came back really briefly at the the first drive of the second half. Um, like I said, I know you focused on the defense when you're going back and watching it, but. Seeing Jackson Smith and Jigba this offseason when he went back and looked at his film, how big of a loss do you think that really is? I think Ohio State fans think, oh, we've got a bunch of five-star receivers. You just slot the next guy in. Well, I mean, there was clearly some, you know, adjustment to, to not having Jackson. What does what taking a guy like that out of a lineup do for an offense? Well, he's probably the best wide receiver in the country, so you never want to take that guy out of the offense. I mean, they do a great job of developing wide receivers there. I think Ryan Day is one of the better play callers in the country. When you watch Ohio State's offense, at least last year, uh, I mean, that, I mean, these guys were open by four or five yards on, on a lot most of their catches. So he does a great job of scheming, and obviously they've got weapons at quarterback and running back too. Uh, which the shocking thing to me was that it was you know Trayvon Henderson. I expected to have this monster day, which he had a good day, but. Uh, I thought the the the, the other back, the, uh, yeah, I thought he had a hell of a game. So they're loaded on offense. Everybody knows that. Jackson Smith and Jigma is a dude. He's going to be a really high draft pick. He's got all the traits that you look for uh, as an NFL wide receiver. So hopefully he gets back. But the, but uh, they'll need him for the bigger games. Uh, I, I thought uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh, had a good game, not up to what everyone, including myself, was expecting offensively from them, uh, just because you just expect them just to score every time they touch the ball after watching them last year. And they'll, they'll be fine. 
uh, they'll, they'll have guys step up, guys that, you know, that maybe no one knew, including myself, that stepped up last week. Uh, and, and he'll get back and he'll help them out, and he's going to be uh, a great player and probably the first receiver picked in the draft, in, in my opinion. So you, as I said, you're, you do national stuff for 247 Sports for us. You do a great job with it. From a big-picture perspective, you saw Ohio State against what was a top-five team according to the rankings. You watched, I'm sure you watched Georgia take on Oregon and absolutely dismantle that team. Uh, there were a number of ranked versus not ranked games. Ohio State comes out this week, number three in the polls, drops down one spot. It's one game, so I don't want to take too much from it, but your overall thoughts are kind of where the Buckeyes fit in the national landscape after this one game against Notre Dame. I think they're right where they want to be. I mean, I think uh, they they looked they didn't look as good offensively as people thought they would, including myself. I think they'll be fine. They're going to score a ton of points, and they're going to have a great season offensively, assuming everybody you know that 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 matters stays relatively healthy. I thought Paris Johnson looked way better at left tackle than he did at guard uh, last year, which which I was expecting. Uh, but I think uh, Georgia looked really good. I mean, they they played a, 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 a you know most people would would think a, a pretty decent opponent, the home game for them in Atlanta. But they look good. Uh, they're going to be better than people thought they were. I knew I knew offensively they'd be better this year, but I didn't think they they'd look like that. They got some dudes. They got some huge athletes. Uh, they're going to be a problem, of course. Obviously, Alabama. So. Those three teams are the best teams in the country, I think, right now. Uh, Notre Dame was better than, I think, probably Ohio State fans and myself thought they were going to be. Uh, they're going to have a problem. Just how are they going to score a lot of points in the year? And I think that's – if I'm an Ohio State fan, you know, the two things that, that I want to see is how are we going to match up versus a team that, that, that throws the ball, a spread team that's a – uh, maybe an air raid team, kind of like Purdue or somebody like that, that just chunks the ball a lot. I mean, because Notre Dame was the opposite. So that Notre Dame got on the tempo a couple of times. Uh, so that's something I'm sure they're work that they'll work on. But uh, if if I'm an Ohio State fan, that's what I'm looking at now defensively is is Arkansas State. I'm assuming still throws the ball a lot. They're obviously not going to be a, a a great test, but. Uh, but that's that, that's what I'll have my eyes on defensively, and I think you'll see a better pass rush up front uh, as the offensive lines get get a little bit worse than Notre Dame's. Awesome, Blake. That was great stuff. I know you've got a busy day ahead. You're headed to Austin. You going to this Texas Alabama game? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm head down there at about one o'clock today. Fantastic. We'll enjoy. Thanks again. We'll probably get you on later in the year once we have a bigger sample size. We'll talk some more ball. I appreciate it, you jumping on. Um, like I said, this, this was great stuff. So, uh, yeah, safe trip to Austin, and, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Good talking to you. All right. Appreciate it. Again, if you, you tuned in late there, that was Blake Brockermeyer, 247 Sports, National College Football Writer. Does some great stuff. If, if you haven't read Blake's stuff, it's, it's really good. Breaking down, he did over the summer. Jackson Smith and Jigba, as we talked about, broke down his film from last year, and then Paris Johnson as well, who he touched on briefly. So I recommend you, you reading him. He does, does a lot of good stuff. We're going to 
move on here to uh, to a little bit different. We're still going to talk Ohio State, still going to talk Notre Dame, but we're going to bring in a, a good buddy of mine who is within the uh, Ohio State media stream and, and guy who kind of helped me come up with the idea for this podcast, uh, Timmy Hall of 97.1 The Fan and The Buckeye Show. Tim, you and I uh, have been uh, doing what you titled Beers and Buckeyes on 97.1 The Fan uh, for, what, two years now since since COVID? And uh, that kind of helped inspire me to uh, do this happy hour that we're doing. If, if you're not in Columbus, if you're not familiar with The Fan, I know we get people from all over. Cheers, by the way. Timmy does Cheers, Pat. Thanks, Tim, for hopping on. Um, you got a busy day, so I don't want you to drink too much here, but uh, at least you stopped by for a few minutes in the happy hour. Uh, thanks again. Mm, no, this is great, Pat. How's your day going so far, man? We got another uh, great college football weekend coming up. Yeah, I'm excited. Not as excited about uh, this this Ohio State-Arkansas State game as maybe I was a week ago, but I think that's something that's interesting with this team, right? You have a game in this schedule. Have a game like Notre Dame. It's a big, huge game to start the season. You go out there. You Maybe you don't play great, but you find a way to win. Now you come back and you've got Arkansas State at noon. I don't think LeBron James and those guys are going to be on the sideline ahead of this one. Um, no. To me, that may be the biggest challenge is just getting up for an Arkansas State team that is nowhere near the talent of your opponent of Notre Dame. What are your thoughts? Yeah, same kind of thoughts, Patrick. I mean, we know that you're going to get these games too. And I heard a little bit of your conversation with Blake there. And I was talking about this on the show last night with Tyvis. I think games like these, next week they're going to play Toledo. Toledo's a, Toledo's a better level of opponent. I think we understand that. But I think for both of these contests – to sort of set the bar high for the defense, they should be talking about, you know, shutouts. And I know, I know maybe uh, these types of games, shutouts can potentially become a little bit harder because if the game is over by halftime, kind of what you said, it's a little bit hard to keep that energy going all the way through the, the, the full four quarters. And you're going to want to play depth too. So when you're playing second stringers and third stringers, something like that becomes a little bit more, tricky but as long as the starters are in i think that should be their their goal for each other is to try to keep these arkansas state dudes out of their end zone at the horseshoe like all all these guys for the red wolves are are going to want to score that touchdown right they want to have that story for the grandkids they're not going to win the game i don't even think i mean we all like everybody's a competitor right like we were going in with a plan to win I don't even think those guys go to sleep in their beds this week thinking that they can win in Columbus, Ohio. But there's a small little sense of let's let's make a play. You know, let's just make a memorable play. Maybe we can build off something, stay in the game longer than anybody thinks we could. So I think that's going to be the interesting thing, not just for this Saturday, but for next Saturday as well, is to see that defense keep up with these averages that they've established through one game. They're not, not really averages yet, right, until you do it for a second game, but 10 points given up 253 total yards. I mean, those are numbers. If you can keep copying that down to week two, week three, week four, week five, we know the Wisconsin game is going to come up first in the big 10. That will look mighty impressive halfway down the road this season, Pat. Yeah. Here, here's a number for you. Alabama, number one team in the country, 
played Utah State last week. Yep. They played their backups 55 to zero. They got that shutout you're talking about. So they did. I mean, what's wrong with Utah State? Yeah. I mean, they yeah. used to be used to be a pretty strong whack team. I went to a football game at Utah State once upon a time, Pat. I saw Oregon yeah. play there. Oh, what were you doing out there? Well, you know, I've lived everywhere. That's and true. that was uh was before I sort of started my journey through this this crazy career and took a look at Utah State. Fun town, fun campus. That's in Logan, Utah. So it's north of the Salt Lake City area. And the crazy thing is we talk about, I love looking at rare road trips for big programs, right? I know uh, Virginia Tech just played the road game at Old Dominion. Like that's, and, a, that would ne- that, and they lost. Yeah, that would never happen. That's rare. But to have the Oregon Ducks, and this was when Joey Harrington was a Heisman front runner. It was that year. I think they had Ontario Smith. They had a bunch of weapons. Joey Harrington, they were number three in the country. Somehow the schedules aligned where they agreed to go to Utah State for a true road game. And it was a fun game. I think Kevin Curtis, that dude for the Eagles, was one of the receivers. I know Chris Cooley played there as well, but he wasn't in that game. It was a great Washington Redskin for a while, but it was uh, it was a fun campus. You know, I saw I saw Urban's Utah Utes play out there too. Nice. At Royce Eccles Stadium, so saw a couple of his his uh, wins there. God, what was that? Just two seasons Urban spent at Utah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think, uh, yeah, undefeated season. Actually, Urban's on yeah. the TV right behind you there. Um, no, wait, what'd you say? No, that's uh, that's right there. That's Woody. <laughs> that's no, 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 on the television. Oh, 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 gotcha yeah. on TV. Yeah, I think that's the 28, 2018. All right, Dwayne Haskins game. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, quick questions we got here. Well, this one's more of a statement from, from James Story. Lives in Arkansas from Columbus. Stroud will be on the sideline by halftime. I'm ta- I assume you're talking about this week. It'll be interesting to see how long Ryan Day does keep the starters in there. Obviously, the, the game will dictate that. But if it all goes as planned, you know, Ryan Day's kept guys out a little bit longer than I've expected in some of these games in the past. Uh, Sue here asked, does, does Day let CJ play a bit more this week to help his Heisman stats? I honestly don't think that comes into his mind too much. You know, if CJ wants to stay in an extra series or two because maybe he, you know, has, you know, say he throws four touchdowns in the first half, wants to get that fifth touchdown, I believe that would again tie him. Or no, I think people have thrown six at this point. But, you know, puts him up there again in, in yeah. the rankings. Maybe he lets him do something like that. But – You'd rather get him out, right, than than risk him taking a stupid injury after the Buckeyes are already up 30, 40 points? Yeah, I'm, I, I fully agree. And I understand what, what Sue is saying right there. You you do want to see C.J. Stroud stay in this Heisman contest. But, I mean, he's, he's already right. He started the season as the odds-on favorite. The numbers might not have been crazy against Notre Dame, but that's a good defense. That's a top-five win. And he didn't have any turnovers, so – Completion percentage was was just fine. I mean, he didn't throw for a boatload of yards, but that's probably going to be – might be the lowest stat line of the season for C.J. Stroud, and it's week one. I think one thing you got to look at, too, while we're talking about injury situations with you know a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, C.J. Stroud got to take the foot off the gas at this portion of the season last year. So think of it just having him healthy because he was dealing with a short shoulder issue, and then – Small factions of us started to question, oh, what about this Kyle McCord guy? You know, he comes in and gets that, 
you know, that Akron game or whatever Mac opponent we played, you might light it up for six touchdowns and then we might have a little controversy on our hands, but I, it's, it's not going that way. CJ in the limited time that he plays, he's going to equal or, or do much better than the stats he put up against Notre Dame. I would see like, like you were saying three to four touchdowns and a half of football I mean, look, we we know this offense can go on four or five consecutive touchdown scoring drives, drop of a hat. They they probably hit their stride this week. And yeah, it's it's a long season, so you don't want to do anything careless. It's not just about padding stats. This guy's good enough to where he's going to be in the big games and he's going to be able to put up some big stats. So let's just let's be patient. Let's wait for those opportunities to come. It's just me, Tim. Hey, it's just you, Tim, too. Uh, said he sees Kyle McCord playing the whole second half. I'm interested. I mean, I want to see Kyle McCord as well, but I'm interested to see if Devin Brown gets some time. This is a chance, you know, you can play these guys four games now, right? Kyle McCord played four games last year, red-shirted. So I'd like to see some Devin Brown in there as well, especially if the Buckeyes get up real big. Just get his feet wet at Ohio Stadium in a, in a real college football game. That's the true freshman quarterback I'm talking about. He's a guy who's a bit more dual threat. I think yeah. that could be interesting to see how yep. they use some of that. Uh, I want to see Kyle McCord too. We've only seen him a little bit, but he did get that start last year, played the first half. So I definitely think you'll see Kyle McCord, no question about it. But I'd also love to be up big enough that the Buckeyes put Devin Brown up there and, and let him show what he can do. Yeah, definitely, Pat. You're, get, you're getting into some of those deeper storylines for Ohio State football that's going to carry over into a, a new season in 2023. But hey, I mean – we all know that CJ's time is going to come to an end. I mean, it's there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. CJ's he's, he's playing 2022. That's it. Write him uh, a thank you note. Yeah, I can already see the graphics, you know, on Twitter right now. Thank you, Buckeye Nation, for everything that you've done for me, right? And it's been a great time. But, yeah, exactly. Like, see a peace. We're, we're going on to the NFL. I – I'm with you. I, I'd love to see Kyle McCord even more so. Devin Brown, the, speaking of Utah, that's where he's from. So we've got quarterbacks from all over the place, California, Philly, Utah right now. I know some people might want an Ohio one coming up soon. And, yeah, we're always always looking. But it, it could be interesting. You know, we just seem to think that because Kyle McCord is the is the you know easy choice for the second stringer right now. He's the He won the backup job. That doesn't necessarily mean it automatically goes that way next year. I would imagine Devin's going to get his shot. And if he keeps looking pretty good in practice, like we've heard he has, this wasn't a situation where Devin Brown was no good. It's just that I think the smart money said that Kyle McCord was going to win that backup job because he had the leg up. He was here. But give Devin another year in the system. I mean, they're recruiting these guys for a reason. And then once we, you know, settle the next quarterback debate, we start thinking about who's going to transfer. But yeah, I'm with you, Pat. You want to see these guys and just how they perform when the lights are on, even if they're up by four touchdowns. When they get that moment in front of, you know, 100-plus thousand fans at the shoe, you know, what's what's that first read going to look like? Look like What's that first throw going to look like? Are they going to step up or are they going to show those nerves like we would imagine most normal humans would the first time they step into that the spotlight at the next level? It's going to be a little tricky before – everything settles down, but that would be a fun thing to see this weekend, no doubt. Yeah. And just to make the quarterback competition next off season, a bit more equal, you know, get Devin Brown some experience. I mean, I think that that helps him in and helps you kind of break some things down when, when you get to that, which, you know, we'll get to that in the future, but uh, got a uh, Yakov 
too soon to compare the Ohio State defense to the 85 Bears and the 2000 Ravens. A little too Tim, soon. Uh, are, are you doing it? Are you are you no. ready? Hold on this defense. No, but but you know what? I will invoke those defenses too. Like if you could, let's just pretend you take the Notre Dame game. What you gave up? If you give up 10 points and only 253 yards all season, you're the Ravens. You are, and that's you, you can't anoint them yet. But I'm just mathematically speaking, just imagine how Ohio State would win every single game. If the defense could copy that, set the bar at 10 points, I mean, there's there's no chance, right, that, I mean, this team could lose a 10-7 game with this offense. I mean, I guess you never say never, but what would the odds be for that if we're going to play that game? So, of course not. We can't call them the 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens. I mean, we can't even call them one of these Bama defenses of late. But if they keep going out there, if they keep proving it, it was it was a heck of a game one, right? We got to admit that. Absolutely. And, I mean, we can call them whatever we want. It's happy hour. We have a few more beers. Yeah. We might be calling them the, the 85 Bears. Uh, speaking of that defense, we talked about this a little bit with our first guest, Blake Brockermeyer. So if you missed that, it'll be on the podcast version. It'll still be on YouTube. You can go back and watch that. He did a great job of breaking down what the Buckeyes did on defense. But was that Mike Hall Jr. out there or a defensive tackle High State borrowed from Georgia? Yeah. I mean, it looked like some of those Georgia defensive tackles. Now, as Blake broke down, and Tim, I don't know if you were listening at that point, but there were some busts up front from, from Notre Dame. But he credited that to what Ohio State did with their fronts, with their looks, to confuse that Notre Dame offensive line. Obviously, more tape, teams will have a better idea of what Ohio State's going to do. But, I mean, Mike Hall Jr. was ridiculous in that game. I mean, from the start, he had a pressure. He almost finished the game with a sack. Yesterday, this is that would be Wednesday, or th- yeah, Wednesday at interviews, both Zach Harrison and JT Tuomalau, were, who were doing interviews together, said, Baby Aaron Donald, and uh, that speaks to me being a Rams Ooh. fan. Everyone knows who Aaron Ooh. Donald is. Speaking of making early comparisons, but then Cam Bur- or Cam- Cameron Brown, uh, the cornerback, came walking up behind them and kind of popped into the interview real quick, and he said, we're talking about Mike Hall and what he did. Zach Harrison said that to him, and he goes, oh, you mean young Aaron Donald? So uh, this is a name that's catching on inside the Woody. And if they're, he giving can, him, they're giving him crap, aren't they, for having the big game week he one. He to play like that. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you're Aaron Donald level, but uh, I was pretty impressed with the kid. that We hardly saw him last year. He played in four games, not a ton of snaps. It's not like last year we were hearing about this kid just dominating in practice. He's really made a jump, I think. Well, no, and think about what we've been saying about Tyleek Williams as yeah. well. I mean, Mike Hall Jr., He's he's the only guy that I want to see up front. I mean, I, I know you know we talk about the defensive line; they might have a little bit more depth than some of the other position groups on the field, and they are going to rotate. And I know that was a topic of discussion leaving the Notre Dame game that maybe there was a bit too much rotation in and out on that defensive line. But big big guys up front, they do get tired. Like that's the thing; they carry that extra weight. But Mike Hall did not show that to us. You know, when he was out there, that you didn't really. You know, I, I'll have to go back and watch the whole game play for play, but it did not feel to me like his motor ever dropped off throughout that contest. And like you said, it's so great to to see players that you're not really 
talking a whole lot about before the season started. I guess if you were really paying close attention in camp, you would have been familiar with Mike Hall Jr.'s name. You would have known that he was a guy that was going to play. But even he didn't know that he was starting until a day or what did he say, two days before the game? So, I mean, that was that was so cool to see. Halls are awesome, Pat. We just we know that halls just get the job done. The uh, the the best thing for me, and you mentioned it there, is is guys that that just kind of pop in that first game, and usually it's against nobody, so you can't you know make a, a sweeping assessment. You do it against right. Notre Dame. I don't care if you think Notre Dame's not the number five team in the country. That's still Notre Dame. I mean, you know that that's a top fifteen team, right? Like you don't, and that's a good offensive line, especially yeah. in the interior. That's the point. Think yeah. about the offensive lines that Notre Dame has been known to have throughout the past decade, right? That's just something that is a known commodity. It, it's yeah. like Wisconsin, right? You play Wisconsin. You don't even need to look at the depth chart or read the names. You know that there's a certain type of standard. It's You're almost an icon in Wisconsin, right, to be a, a cheesehead offensive lineman. It's like Notre Dame. I mean, they pump guys into the NFL. Jarrett Patterson wasn't out there. So what? Like, they, they had a lot of – a lot of talk about the center that took over from Zeke Coral. So they, they've got good dudes up front. That's that, that's a heck of a showing. You're right. That's not against a Mac opponent. You're looking that way. Game one against Notre Dame. And it was a lot of it was on you, too. If the defense did not play like that, and I think you and I are both the same way, where how your defense plays, it's a trickle-down effect. It's how good are you up front. Yeah. And then it goes down to those next levels with how well – your football team is going to play. So who knows if Michael Hall Jr. doesn't have an outstanding game like that, where he's generating pressures early and often winds up getting the sack in the end, which was pretty much the the end of the ball game when he shut that last Notre Dame drive down. It might be a different outcome in the football game. I mean, they, they needed those continuous stops to keep giving that offense another chance to finally start running the football or get some kind of rhythm. And eventually it happened, but this was a win. I, I give more, even though I, I, I put Mayan Williams as my MVP, I, I, I do give, you know, overall most of the credit to the defense for letting those guys get a chance to do their job. That's, that's how it had to happen. One more thing I wanted to touch on while you're still here. And I, I know you got other stuff to do. I appreciate you jumping in the happy hour today. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love, love the 11 a.m. happy hour too. We yeah. got, you got a Ryan Day show. I got to mow the lawn. A lot of stuff to do. We got a two-hour show tonight at 6 o'clock. So it's just a busy, busy Thursday, man. Yeah. Well, the last thing I want to touch on with you, when Ryan Day gets in tight games, it seems like they throw the ball. He's a quarterback. That's what they do. It, it finally got to the point where they had to run the ball and they had success. To me, if I'm Ryan Day, I look at that and say, look, we can do this. We can win. And maybe it was because last year they couldn't run the ball in those short yard situations. We touched on that a bunch of times. But now if I'm Ryan Day, I have confidence that I don't have to rely on C.J. Stroud and these receivers when, when things get tight, when, when the game's on the line. I feel like, hey, I can lean on Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, those guys. Do you think we see this be a more balanced offense this year? Because I think that's what they've wanted to do in the past, yes. but they just haven't had it when it, when it mattered the most. Yes, I, I do. And I mean, again, with what we saw in week one, it strongly suggests that they're going to be able to do that. And you, you really do need to have that because let's be honest, we are not going to 
ever get to a place where you can just say, oh, we've got a great offense so we can win a national championship. Right. I, I think we've lear learned our lesson right there through the last few years. Bama, the, the Bamas, the Georgias. I mean, say what you will about Clemson in week one and last season, but for what the program has been. Yeah, the, the defense is to a certain standard where you are going to get yourself tied up into actual football games where you're going to need punting. You know, you're going to need to play field position. You're going to need to play ball control. You're going to need to have more of those chess match type of football games. In a way, that's kind of fun, you know, to be honest, like for, for old school football fans to go out and win a game 21 to 10 or 24 to 16, something like that. In a way, that is a fun way to play and, and win football games. But, you know, the, on top of the balance, you know, I think within that, because they did show that there there's a commitment to run the football and they can do it. And Mayan Williams Boy, what a tremendous second running back to have at your disposal. But I thought, too, Travion seems – you almost see, like, the way mine was running the football on that, that MVP drive that he had. And you think of the old, like, thunder and lightning. Like, if you're going to have a two-back system, you got to have one back that's good at this and one back that's good at that. But right afterwards, Travion Henderson got back in there, and he took that one Notre Dame safety and just pow, like – Four yards backwards. Yeah, he shows that he he showed that he can run with not just burst but power as well. So I, I think it's great, like what they have between mine and Travion Henderson. Maybe it'll do something to the overall stats for this season, but I don't care about that. I mean, I I certainly you know, I said this before the season and after week one, I feel even more comfortable about it. Feels like you could have a thousand thousand with both of these guys. Who ultimately wins that? I'd probably you know money on Travion, but. Looks like you might have a couple thousand yard backs. Yeah, Dave Biddle, who I know you know well, uh, said in our bold predictions for the year that Mayan would have 10 touchdowns. I said he was full of shit. There's no chance that Mayan was going to have 10 touchdowns. So I texted him in the game and said, uh, well, there's one, and you got uh, 11 games left at least. So I may be the one eating crow on that. All right, Tim, as they say, uh, when I overstay my welcome at the bars, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. All You're right. Home. You got stuff to do. Get Closing out of time for me, man. What'd you say? Closing time for me. Save yeah. tonight. Take me home tonight. All the great bar songs. Yeah. yeah we, we used to cheer when the Eagle Eye Cherry song came on over the speakers. Yeah. It's just a thing we did when we were drinking at the bars in college. We Our whole table would just go nuts and erupt in cheers whenever we got Eagle Eye Cherry. We just, we love that song so much. So Pat, have a great one, buddy. I'll, yeah, I'll uh, talk you. to you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I'll be on the Buckeye Show tomorrow night. Um, listen in with with Tim all the time. Tim and whoever your co-host is on on any given night, you guys right. always do a great job. And hopefully, Tim, will have you on more. I'm hoping to have other guys on more. So it's more of a happy hour feel. I like this, not just mm -hmm. talking myself into the void here, just getting questions from the, the, the listeners here. So uh, we'll get you back on here throughout the season. This was fun. All right, good stuff, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Tim. All right, we'll close this out here with a, with a few more things. I'll, again, just, just kind of talk. If you have questions, comments, feel free to throw them on. If you missed anything from the, the start of the show, if you jumped into the live show late here, I know we're recording early. Blake Brockermeyer, I wanted to have him on. He did a great job kind of breaking down the defense, especially from the Notre Dame game and what he saw. The guy's a first-round pick in the NFL draft, so he knows his stuff. Uh, but if you missed any of that, he had to, be, he had to get on the road to, to Austin, so that's why we did it early today. If you missed any of that, you can find it on the podcast version. You can find it on uh, any of our streaming platforms. 
But uh, I wanted to touch on a couple things before we get out of here because we're going to have the Ryan Day Show on the fan coming up here soon. Um, the first thing is, and I said this when I was actually on the fan this morning with, uh, with my guy Brandon Beam and Bobby Carpenter, the, the defense that we saw was, was so much better than what we saw the last two years that it was almost like eye-opening, like, wow, Ohio State's defense is, is doing things that, that they haven't done in two, three years, whatever it may be. Here's my thing, and I, I thought about this watching the game back and watching some of the other college football games throughout the weekend, and great, it's great to have college football all weekend long and not just on Saturdays. I love that. I know you can't do it all the time with the NFL, but I love the fact that that happens. But this is what Ohio State's defense should look like. This isn't – they didn't do anything crazy. Jim Knowles said it after the game. It was, it, was, it was fairly basic. He hadn't installed everything. They didn't do a ton with the jack position, and, and they didn't do a lot of crazy stuff. It just looked so different, I think, to Buckeye fans' eyes, to my eyes, of, of sitting there in the press box and watching this team because the last two years have just been so – so vanilla, and I don't mean that in the basic way Jim Knowles meant it. I just mean, like, they didn't do anything that made it hard for teams the last couple of years, and especially good teams. And as as great as it looked to see the Buckeyes shut things down, um, you know, 72 yards and zero points for Notre Dame in the second half, this is what Ohio State's defense should look like. This is what modern college football defense is. And so it's great to see that the Buckeyes have it, but it's just a shame that that 2020 team didn't have a defense like this and they couldn't get it done, you know, maybe they don't beat Alabama in the national championship game. That Alabama offense was ridiculous, but maybe they keep it a lot closer and the respect for this team is different and the respect for this team's defense specifically. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about defensive recruiting falling off a little bit. If you go out there and even if you lose to Alabama, but you look good doing it defensively, some of these recruits maybe that consider or that have now committed elsewhere, gone elsewhere, maybe they are, you know, at Ohio State now, or committed to Ohio State. And, you know, I don't say a lot of negative things about Ryan Day. I think he's a great head coach, but he's a young head coach. And I think he l- had to learn that lesson. You know, you hire Kerry Combs, the guy who just hadn't had experience doing it. Kerry Combs, if he wants to be a defensive coordinator anywhere, and I love Kerry Combs, great dude, great recruiter, great cornerbacks coach. His first defensive coordinating job shouldn't have been Ohio State. I think that was a mistake. I think Ryan Day had to learn from that. And I think you saw that this is what the defense should look like at Ohio State. This is, this is always what the defense should look like. And I agree with, with – it's just Tim here. Notre Dame's offense was basic. Yeah, young quarterback, first-time starting running backs, young receivers. But if they'd gone out – if Notre Dame had gone out there and done what Oregon did last year with a young quarterback and some young receivers and things like that, then we're not having this conversation. So I think that's the difference is this defense went out and, and took a – Fairly basic offense, still a power five level offense. I know they're not actually a power five conference team, but they went out and did what they were supposed to do against them. Now, did they do that against every team this year? Would they do that against Alabama or Georgia right now? No, probably not. But they've got plenty of time to get better on that front. So, yes, I agree with you. Notre Dame's offense was basic, but to see them shut down a basic offense means they're doing the right things because that didn't always uh, that didn't always happen last year. Larry here says, Pat, what are you doing drinking from an Iowa glass? It's actually not an Iowa glass. It's got uh, Paramount Plus on it, which is the, uh, the CBS streaming stuff. You'll, uh, that, that's part of our company. You'll need to get that for some of the Big Ten games going forward. So, uh, yeah, no, this is actually uh, helping out the company here. I'm trying to, trying to make the company money with my uh, slight endorsement there. I don't push it all the time, but that's what that is. 
the other thing I wanted to hit on was the, the offensive. I don't know if you want to say struggles. I mean, they definitely were some struggles, but, and Brock talked on this too. I just don't think that this is going to be an issue. I think this was a first time, first, first game of the season. I think you see it a lot in college football. And if you want to compare it to the Georgia game, go ahead. I had a buddy who was texting me throughout the week about how Georgia, you know, and Alabama are such a step above Ohio state. I I don't think so. I, I think that, Ohio State lost or CJ Stroud lost Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was a big part of the game plan. CJ Stroud said they had specific things catered for Jackson to do against Notre Dame's defense. And he said they saw him out there, but they just didn't have Jackson out there to do him. Ikmeka Buka wasn't supposed to necessarily play in that Jackson Smith and Jigba role. They moved him over. They played Xavier Johnson there, who didn't expect to be a big part of the game, some other guys. So look, I think you take playing against a good team in Notre Dame, not a great team, but a good team. You take out a guy like that from the offense in the first quarter, you know, it, it, it was a struggle in that first half. And then they figured out a way to get offense going in the second half. I mean, it was their lowest, I think I saw lowest offensive production in terms of yards and points in two years, still 395 yards of offense. I mean, yes, that's not the 500 and something uh, that they averaged last year, but again, last year they had two first round NFL draft picks at receiver, they had Jackson Smith and Jigba show up. And again, it was the first game. I am not worried about this offense. Now, if they go out this week against Arkansas State and put up similar numbers, which I don't think will happen, then I think you can start letting the alarm bells ring a little bit. But to me, this was some first game issues they had to figure out on top of losing Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I mean, I think it's fair to say, if you're going to say, at Georgia's defense, which I know some people have talked about this week, they lost, what was it, 15 guys or whatever from the NFL to the NFL draft. Ohio State lost arguably the two best receivers in the draft. I know they didn't go one and two. They went three and four from last year's team. So you're still breaking in some new guys. And, yeah, Marvin Harrison and Mecca Buka had bigger roles in the Rose Bowl, but it's just a different offense. I think it's going to take time. I think it's great that you saw this running game get going. Both running backs get going in Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams. Like I said, I'm not worried about it. I think they're going to be fine. I think like last year, they'll just continue to build. I think this defense, you can rely on more. So you don't need the offense to do a ton like you did last year. So so maybe they're not the number one offense in the country. But if they're winning games, especially games like this, games like Michigan, I think you take that. So that's just kind of my two cents, offense, defense, that I wanted to get in there in the end. If you missed anything from the show, we'll have it on YouTube. We'll have it on Facebook. We'll have it on the podcast. We'll, that'll be up shortly. Um, it's, you know, I think this was a really good show. Blake Brockermeyer, our 247 national analyst joined us, really broke things down. And then Timmy Hall came on my good buddy works for 97.1. The fan does the Buckeye show. I really appreciate that. I hope to have more guys on. They can just kind of sit around, have a beer if they want to, and, and kind of talk ball. Um, you know, I think, I think that's fun, more fun than me just talking at you guys and, and you guys asking questions, but Thanks again. This is the third episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. At some point, we'll find a guest who can actually get on at you know 4 p.m. Eastern time or something like that to uh, to do actual happy hour time, and, and hopefully more of you can enjoy it. But I do appreciate you all tuning in live. Uh, that, that we had good numbers here once again, so it's awesome. I thank you guys. Please like, subscribe, all that stuff on whatever platform you listen to this on. I do appreciate it. That helps us out tremendously. Stay tuned to Bucknuts for all the coverage this weekend and and going into the weekend. 
you know, it's Arkansas State. It's not the same sexy game as uh, last weekend, but I still think we're going to find out a lot about the Buckeyes, learn about maybe some of those guys that, that are further down the depth chart. And I always like that, seeing those guys play. It's a good opportunity for them. So anyway, thanks again. Cheers. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.